Hi, my name is Phoebe Wilkinson and I am a beauty therapist, or if you're from outside of Australia, also known as an esthetician. I have over 10 years experience working within a range of different businesses, including hair and beauty salons, makeup artistry studios, day spas, skin clinics, and registered training organizations, teaching government accredited beauty qualifications, and as of more recently, moving overseas and experiencing working for a Turkish Moroccan inspired day spa and luxurious body range company called Sella in the heart of Toronto, Canada. Whether you are studying beauty therapy, have been a beauty professional for 10 years or more, own a business within the beauty industry, or have a general interest in the beauty world, then this podcast is for you. I wanted to create a platform for beauty professionals to come together to help inspire and empower, to encourage us to come together as a family rather than always competing with each other, somewhere where we can discuss topics like retailing techniques, education, staff management, active ingredients, marketing, industry expectations, and a whole heap more. So I hope you enjoy this podcast. Welcome back to episode four of The Beauty Code. Today we are going to be going into a little bit more of skin biology, talking active ingredients that we as beauty therapists work with from day to day, how they actually change the skin and what layers of the skin they're actually working on. And we may even dive into a little bit of different skin types and and how we can actually treat them as well. So starting today's podcast, I want to start with talking a little bit about the skin itself before going into any ingredients and how they're actually working. So let's begin with layers of the skin. As we know, we do already have three layers of the skin. Our three main layers being the very bottom layer, the inner layer, is our hypodermis also known as our subcutaneous layer. Now this layer, it is more so for cushioning, okay? It's full of fatty cells and it's really just there for cushioning within the skin. We then go into our second layer. Our second layer is called the dermis. So this is the middle layer between the three. And the dermis is where all the good stuff sits, okay? So we're looking at the hair follicle, our sweat glands, our oil glands, our rectal pili muscle sits here as well. We have our veins, our arteries, even um, different receptors. This is all where they sit and lie. There is a tissue that the dermis is actually made of, and that is what we call connective tissue. And it's full of collagen elasticity fibers as well. So this is actually where the skin is going to get its fullness or elasticity from too. Then we have our very most outer layer, which is called the epidermis. Now the epidermis has four to five layers itself. So depending on where on the body, on the palm of our hands and the soles of our feet, we do have an extra layer, which makes up for the fifth layer within the epidermis. And it's, um, its, pu- its role is purely for protection. So the order of our layers within our epidermis, okay, so the very bottom is what we call our stratum basal layer. Now our stratum basal layer is where all of the cells are born and where they're produced at the very beginning. They make their, la- they make their way all 
the way through the rest of the layers until they get to the very top. And what happens when they get to the very top? They flatten out, die, and then they naturally shed away when they're ready. And that's what we call our skin cell turnover process. And when they naturally shed off, that's what we refer to as desquamation, which just means natural shedding of the skin. So we start at that basal layer. Our layers then go into our stratum spinosum, stratum granulosum. The stratum lucidium is the layer that is only within the hands and feet. You won't find that elsewhere. And then we have the very most outer layer being our stratum corneum. So the stratum corneum is actually the layer that has only dead skin cells. So that's where they come to die, let's say. And that can be anywhere from 20 to 40 layers of dead skin. Now that depends on the person, things like age, medical or medications, weather, environment, different lifestyles can all affect and that's why there is such a large variation and there's services out there that offer like deeper exfoliations like for example we always taught that microdermabrasion can remove up to 10 layers of dead skin cells um, and let me emphasize can up to <laughs> um, so I, and I, the only reason why I say that is because I'd, I'd hear a lot of therapists say, oh, yes, this removes 10 layers of your skin. And that, that is not true. <laughs> so it can remove up to 10 layers of dead skin cells is what microdermabrasion actually does. But moving on from that, that is essentially the layout of the skin without actually being able to show you in a diagram, okay? And I wanted to go over that in a little bit more depth to actually start talking about different ingredients and different products because our different ingredients and different product lines, they do actually penetrate to different layers and treat different layers of the skin. And the whole purpose of this episode is to... I guess provide another learning material, another resource for um, staff or salon owners, but also students. I found that in my career for a long time, I knew what different ingredients were beneficial for, but I don't think I quite understood how they worked. And I think it's really important for your staff or you as a beauty therapist to actually know that. Um, for you to actually give your client a result and see a difference within a client's skin, it's important to actually know how you're actually going to be affecting the cells, how it's going to actually be changing the skin. So the most important thing to get a good understanding of is the layers of the skin, how the cells are actually working, and what layer that your product that you're working with is actually penetrating to. Now, before we dive into certain ingredients in particular and talk about how they work, I do want to talk a little bit about exfoliation. It is a little bit of a diverse topic, I guess, depending on who you talk to within the industry. A lot of skincare companies don't recommend um, a manual exfoliation at all. Some of them only recommend chemical. Some of them only recommend gentle. Some of them have a little bit more of an abrasive exfoliators. So let's dive into manual versus chemical. 
Okay, so our manual exfoliants are the exfoliants that actually have a grain in them. And this is an exfoliant that you use to physically buff away dead skin cells on the surface. Now you'll find a lot of oily skins in particular absolutely love a good scrub. Now you do need to remember, and this I think all beauty therapists would already know, but if you're not a beauty therapist or esthetician listening in, the number one thing is if you're using a scrub for your face, it needs to be specifically designed for the skin on your face. You can't be going in with body products for the reason being that our skin on our face is very delicate and it's very different to the skin on our body. And body scrubs usually have a much larger granule within them. And if you're using a much larger granule on the face, what can actually happen is a little micro cut. Okay, and then you end up with damage and um, an impaired barrier and all sorts of trouble and other skin conditions. Don't even get me started on why the apricot scrub from St. Ives is so harmful for the skin. Um, and I think I talk for all of us that there isn't a teenager in the world that hasn't come across that scrub for some reason. Um, but that's for another day. So going back to manual exfoliation, um, that is when you will have, yes, a grain that you are going in and physically buffing away and help sloughing off those dead skin cells on the surface. Now, this is really good for skin texture. It's really good for smoothing out the surface of the skin, really good for helping any excess oils that are within the skin and any dry flaky skin that may be on the surface as well. Now, I personally love quite an, an abrasive exfoliant. Um, I do have that normal to oily skin. So I definitely love something that I'm going to feel nice and clean, and smooth from and something that I only have to use maybe once a week, maybe twice a week if I'm feeling that little bit more oily. Um, some companies, because they don't like the idea of using anything too abrasive on the face, they will only use what we call a gamage. And a gamage is technically still a manual exfoliation. It is usually more of a mask that sets dry on the skin. And then you go in and you buff it off with the fingertips. And that's what helps manually or physically move the dead skin cells. Anyway, that's how a manual exfoliation works. Okay, so you're going in and you're removing dead skin cells from the surface that are ready to be removed. And then we have our chemical exfoliation. Okay, now chemical exfoliation is still important to do within your normal skincare routine with alongside your manu manual exfoliation because they do different things. Yes, long term, I guess they have a similar result, but I do like having a little bit of both included within my routine. And obviously, you as a beauty therapist will be able to know what is too much or not enough for certain different skin types if you're listening into the podcast and um you know you're, you're thinking about including both please see a professional and and get them to explain what you need to do for your skin because what's good for me isn't necessarily going to be what's good for you but what chemical exfoliation actually does is it doesn't affect the dead skin cells themselves. It doesn't go in and dissolve those cells or anything like that. What it actually does 
is it dissolves a glue-like substance that we actually have within our skin. And that glue-like substance is called intracellular fluid. So intracellular fluid is between all of our cells and it's like a sticky kind of fluid. And that's actually how dead skin cells are stuck to our skin by this fluid. And that's how they remain on the surface. So by us going in and dissolving this glue-like substance that we have, it allows a little bit more of a deeper penetration and it allows a little bit more of a, a deeper exfoliation. And it does mean that if you have, um, let's say like a high percentage of an AH, like a chemical exfoliation, that you will continue to see results even like a week or two weeks later after doing like a peel or something like that within a clinic um, because it's encouraging new cell growth. So we mentioned a little earlier about our skin cell turnover process. Now by us going and doing a chemical exfoliation, it tricks the skin and gets the cells from the bottom to come up to the surface a lot quicker. So it's increasing that skin cell turnover process. Now, why do we need to exfoliate, you may ask? You know, is it natural? If our skin is naturally shedding away skin itself, then why do we need to go in and increase that? And this is a good question, and it depends on the skin type. But naturally, as we age, as we use certain products, if we have excess oil, we do get a buildup of dead skin cells. Therefore, that's what can cause things like discoloration, um, congestion, all different skin types. And then therefore, when we come in and we do either a manual or chemical form of exfoliation, it's going to help all of these different types of con um, conditions. So that's your difference between your, man, your manual versus chemical exfoliation. Now you might ask, what is a chemical exfoliation? So you may have heard, and especially if you're a beauty therapist, you will have, of AHAs and BHAs. So this stands for alpha hydroxy acids and beta hydro, um, hydroxy acids. Now our main ones are glycolic, lactic, salicylic, mandelic, all of these different acids, they're all um, derived from different um, things, I guess, glycolics from sugarcane, lactics from sour milk, um, and they, they all do a very similar thing. Like I was saying, they're all a chemical form of exfoliation, um, but they all have different dosages, I guess. Um, they're all a little bit more, they all have different levels of abrasion. Glycolic usually being the most abrasive, okay? So depending on the skin, when, you, when you're treating a skin or if you're not in the industry, if you're going in and having a service done, um, you need to be able to work out what AHA or what BHA is going to be most beneficial for you depending on your skin's condition, your skin sensitivity, any allergies, all of that type of thing. But that's essentially what an AHA or a BHA does. It's a form of a, of a chemical exfoliation. It goes in and, and helps dissolve the intracellular fluid, increasing cell turnover, resulting in better texture, brightness, all over glow, and other different skin conditions as well. Okay, so I hope that helps if anyone had any questions of, I guess, 
the layers of the skin and the difference between your manual and chemical exfoliations um, and how AHAs and BHAs actually work. I also want you guys to remember when you're treating different skins, you will come across different forms of dryness. I have found that a lot of therapists don't realize that dryness and dehydration are two different skin types and they are treated differently. So always remember that dryness is lack of oil within the skin and dehydration is lack of water in the skin. So it's very common that you might have someone come in with an oily skin type. They have congestion, they have different texture throughout their skin, um, they've got breakouts, they do have an oily T-zone, but they may also have dehydration, which is lack of water within the skin. And that's why they're also getting a little bit of flakiness. They have that kind of crepey um, look to the skin when you actually pinch the skin together a little bit and that is completely normal as well now the only way that you can actually um put water back into the skin is really only hyaluronic acid hyaluronic acid it actually it's a natural humectant and it actually holds its also it holds a thousand times its weight in water okay meaning that it can actually carry water to the cells that are within the dermis and it's got a small enough molecular structure to actually do that and what i mean by that as well is different products are going to have different size molecules okay so meaning that they're going to be treating different levels of the skin so a thicker product like a cream cleanser or a cream based moisturizer they're only ever going to be treating your epidermis which is great we don't always need our products going to the dermis we want the, der the dermis is the outside layer of the skin that is uh, ultimately is what we want to glow what we want to be smooth what we want to be it's what's on show so you need that to be hydrated you need that to be nice and smooth and have a beautiful texture and that is where your cleansers your manual exfoliations physical exfoliations and your moisturizers come in we're treating just the epidermis then when it comes to your serums and you will find that your serums are always going to be a little bit more of an expensive product because one they have a smaller molecule within them or they're a smaller molecular structure i guess is the better term to use and they have ingredients that are one expensive but two that will actually penetrate to the dermis and that's also why we always use our serums first and our our moisturizers last because our serums are going to be applied to the skin be able to actually penetrate into the skin and then we lock it in with a moisturizer over the top and the moisturizer will always help penetrate those ingredients a little bit more as well the other thing that I also want to mention, uh, it's just come to mind. Um, I have a lot of clients ask me about toners and I find that is, this is a little bit more of probably a mature age client's question, but honestly, 
get rid of them. They're, they're not really like, even the skincare companies that I work with, they all have them because I guess there is a small market that still is, you know, wants them, but they really do nothing. The whole reason why they were even invented was because back in the day or a long time ago, products were a lot thicker and they left a lot more of a residue once they were rinsed off. So if we would go in and cleanse or exfoliate our skin, we would have a residue left on the skin when we got out of the shower or once we had done those steps. Therefore, you would need to kind of degrease the skin to apply your next product onto the skin for a deeper penetration of that next product. Nowadays, we don't need that step. So once upon a time, you would have heard that it was always cleanse, tone, moisturize. We skipped the toning. We don't need to. We've improved our products since then. We now go into our probably much more um, intricate kind of steps. But I mean, cleanse, exfoliate, serum if you're trying to correct something, moisturize and protection with your SPFs as well. So I hope again that kind of clarifies a little bit when it comes to hyaluronic acid. It is one of the most important ingredients that you will come across when you're wanting to actually replenish water within the skin. Okay, so remember that as well that when you're treating an oily skin, you want to still probably be using your hyaluronic acid sorry, hyaluronic acid-based serums. Um, you may just want them on a lower dosage or only on like either morning or night, not both. Depends on what other products they're using with it, but also depends on the skin range that you're using to treat these skin conditions as well. So again, we've kind of talked a little bit about some the layers of skin, skin bio. We've talked a little bit about um, different ingredients, I guess, AHAs, BHAs being lactic, glycolic, salicylic, mandelic, that type of thing. We've talked about hyaluronic acid. Let's dive into some vitamins. Now, vitamins, uh, they are my holy grail. And for a long time, even still up to now, vitamin A, oh my goodness, it, it is like a lifesaver. If you have a skin condition, any skin condition, any, sorry, if you have a, like any concern, any sort of skin condition concern that you have, vitamin A pretty much will fix your problems. <laughs> vitamin A is incredible for pore size reduction, excess oil reduction, breakouts, congestion, um, any sort of blemish. It can help with discoloration. It's amazing for fine lines and wrinkles and premature aging. It, it can give the skin a little bit more of a luminosity, a little bit more of a glow. It is pretty much, if you go onto a vitamin A product, you will hear it known as like a retinol um, is most of the time uh, what they're called within different skincare ranges. Um, <clears throat> this, it, you will have different skin. But it can be a little bit drying on the skin and it can cause what we call a retinoic burn if it's used incorrectly. So just remember that your vitamin A, yes, yet it is amazing. You have to be extremely careful with it. Now, depending on what range you're using and the percentage of the vitamin A within the product will depend on how often you're using it. Now I've been using, I'm just going to give them a bit of a plug, SkinCeuticals at the moment. Um, and I have to say, I'm absolutely devastated that they're not in Australia because 
hands down in the 10 years I've been working with in this industry, this is the best product line that I have ever come across. And their vitamins in particular are just amazing. They're very well known for their vitamin C. I'm going to go into a little bit more in that in a minute. But they actually have three different dosages of your vitamin A. They have a 0.3, a 0.5, and a, a 1.0. So you can slowly work your way up if you need to, to the 1.0. You might not necessarily need to do that, but it's a good way to introduce your vitamin A into your client's routine. You sometimes might want to get your client on a moisturizer that has vitamin A in it to begin with because it's always going to be, if it's in a, a moisturizer, it's in a much thicker product, it's going to have a less percentage of it and it's not going to penetrate as deep as what a serum does and that's sometimes a good way of introducing vitamin A into the skin. Otherwise, you pretty much just want to start your clients doing it maybe twice a week for two weeks up it to three times a week for the next two weeks, depending on the percentage and depending on how their skin's going, you can eventually get to every second night. Um, but with vitamin A, you would never, re you should never need it nightly. Um, and when you're overusing it, that's when you're going to see things like flaking and what we refer to as that retinoic burn. So the main thing is that one, you're not overusing it when you're introducing it into a client's regime or your own regime. Um, and also that you're only ever using it of a night because if you use it during the day, um, it can make the skin what we call photosensitive, which means it's sensitive to the sun and you can actually cause more damage to the skin by using it during the day. So it's really important that you explain that to your clients as well. And I just want to stress as well, vitamin A is not an exfoliant. I hear a lot of people talking about how it, it helps exfoliate the skin. It doesn't. Vitamin A is not an exfoliant. It does help increase skin cell turnover and that's why we have such amazing results with vitamin vitamin A. It does help bring those cells to the surface a lot quicker, but it does have no action in removal of dead skin cells. So just remember that as well. Moving into your vitamin B, so vitamin B3, also known as um, niacinamide, but, uh, vitamin B5, um, usually it's pentanol. These are mainly hydrating vitamins. Um, I don't use a lot of them, to be quite honest with you. I've found that they've always been great ingredients to have in products that um, also have like a hyaluronic acid in it as well. They usually complement um, each other quite well. They're good ingredients for someone that has a little bit more of a dry skin rather than a dehydrated skin. Um, but yeah, mainly just hydrating. Now, my next vitamin, vitamin C, is at the moment, I would say, more important to me than what my vitamin A is now, which is crazy. Because the whole time that I have been doing beauty or aesthetics, vitamin C, I don't know, I, I've had my clients on it that I know that have needed it, but for me personally, I've never been a huge fan. And the reason being is vitamin C one can feed off excess oils, which means that it can cause more congestion or more oil flow throughout the skin if you naturally have an oily skin. And I don't have a ridiculously oily skin. Like my skin is pretty good. It It is a normal skin type, but it's, if anything, it's normal to oily. So if I ever use anything that's ever so slightly heavy, 
um, I will get a breakout or a little bit of congestion. And vitamin C, I've never been able to use because it always makes me that little bit more oily or a little bit more congested until about six months ago when I started working for Hamam Spa by Seller. And I started, I was introduced to the SkinCeuticals products. They have three different vitamin Cs within their range at the moment, um, being C Ferulic, uh, Florentine CF, and then they have Serum 10. Now, their C Ferulic is their, their biggest vitamin C. It's got 15% L-ascorbic acid, which is your pure form of vitamin C. Um, and you, you need to remember as well, anywhere pretty much between 10 to 20% vitamin C or L-ascorbic acid is what needs to be within a product for you to actually see a result. If it's any more than 20%, there's no benefit. And if there's any less than 10%, you're not going to see a result. So anywhere between your 10 to 20% is really good. Um, but yes, sorry, I went, I went off uh, track a little bit there, but, um, the C Ferulic is mainly, uh, for fine lines and wrinkles, but it's for someone that can handle vitamin C that doesn't have that excess oil flow. The Florentine, uh, is the vitamin C that they have. It does actually give better results than the C Ferulic for things like pigmentation and discoloration, but it is also designed to actually be used on someone that has a combination skin or even an oily skin. And I've been using the Florentine on my skin now for, like I said, six months. And oh my God, like my skin is just a different skin. And I'm so stoked that I'm able to use a vitamin C. Like I'm just loving it. And then their serum 10, it's got a lower percentage of the L-ascorbic acid than what um, C. Ferulic does. Uh, I think it's only got a 10%. Um, but it's still a great serum. It's still a great choice for someone if they don't want to spend as much on a vitamin C serum. Um, it's just, it costs a little less than the other two and it's more for a sensitive skin type. Now, going into why vitamin C is so expensive, you'll notice that generally your vitamin C serums out of all your serums. So for example, in the SkinCeuticals, I think they retail at at Canadian dollars before tax, $185 for the C Ferulic or the Florentine, um, but the serum tends 100. But the reason why they're a little bit more expensive, the other serums generally vary between 70 to $80. Um, is because vitamin C itself, the ingredient itself, is expensive to produce, to make, to buy. Um, I have a lot of clients that especially overseas, are using um, products like The Ordinary and Drunk Elephant. And the thing is, with these types of products, for them to actually be able to retailing, to, to be able to retail their products at such a budget and low price, they're only ever going to be using a derivative of an ingredient. Okay, so it's never going to be something as strong as like the L-ascorbic acid, the pure form of vitamin C and the high percentage that there is um, within the SkinCeuticals products or the professional range that you guys are using within your spa or salon. So just remember that and you can always explain that to clients as well that it is only ever going to be a derivative if it is a cheaper product because the ingredient itself is quite expensive. Now, what does vitamin C actually do? What is vitamin C? Vitamin C, it is an antioxidant, okay? So antioxidants, what they do is they fight free radicals. Free radicals are caused by the environment that we live in. 
okay and that's that's what can cause a lot of different skin conditions you can cause dehydration it can cause blemishes it can cause fine lines and wrinkles it can even cause impaired barriers so sensitivity within the skin as well and that's what your vitamin c is mainly for so just remember if you're using a vitamin c or even any antioxidant whether that be a beta glucan or a ferulic acid anything like that um, you only ever really need these ingredients of a morning, morning only. Okay. You don't need them of a night because our skin's not really being affected while we're in bed asleep by free radical damage. It's mainly during the day. So it's like putting a layer of protection over your face, ready to go outside. Now we can't say that your antioxidants are protecting you from sun damage in the sense that they're an SPF, but they do have natural sun protection protections within them as well. So I always explain to clients that your vitamin C is your antioxidant that is protecting you um, from whatever skin conditions that they may be suffering from. I always think C for collagen, it helps collagen and elasticity within the skin as well. So you're always going to end up with a little bit more plump, dewy, kind of bouncy skin it's hydrating and it's also strengthening. And to be honest with you, I just find my skin does have a nice, really kind of dewy, luminous um, effect when I use my vitamin C as well. So that's pretty much, I mean, we do have vitamin E as well. Again, vitamin E is mainly just a hydrating vitamin. I don't use a lot of it. The vitamins sorry, the um, C ferulic and I think, it, I'm not sure if Florentine, pretty sure it's just the C ferulic out of SkinCeuticals does have vitamin E in it as well. Um, but it's mainly just a hydrating vitamin. Your A and your C is going to be what your lifesavers are for you and your clients. And that's pretty much it. We went into a little bit pretty much it for today that I want to cover today. Um, we're starting to run out of time, so I need to wrap up quickly. I did have a few other things that I wanted to go over. Let's go over quickly before we start to finish um, some SPFs. I want to go over just the difference between our physical and our chemical SPFs. Now, I get a lot of questions regarding whether this is chemical or physical and what the difference is. So I always um, tell clients that your chemical SPFs are what is actually penetrating into the skin and that's actually penetrating into your dermis, where a physical SPF is only going to be sitting on top like a band-aid. And an SPF is a chemical, so you don't really want your SPF penetrating into your skin as much as you can prevent anyway. And that's also another reason why I try and always have the SPF separate from my moisturizer as well. You want to just layer it because you don't want to have your moisturizer that has an SPF in it to have on at night either. You don't need it. Um, you don't need that much chemical, I guess, on the skin. So a physical is best because it does sit on the outer layer just like a Band-Aid and then you can rinse it off overnight and then you're not having to wear it overnight in your night moisturizer either. So Another reason why as well I don't like to have SPFs within my moisturizers or to be honest with you, even within my makeups is because 
let your products do one and own it's it's one thing you don't want to have miracle products that have oh i've got vitamin a i've got vitamin c i've got vitamin b oh i have hyaluronic acid oh i've got an exfoliating agent in there as well oh and i'm i and i'm a lanolin based product like all of these different ingredients for all different reasons um because the more ingredients that something has in it or the more active ingredients that something has in it the the less effective it is for all of those things because it's going to be a less percentage of each ingredient for it all to be in there at once so let the product do its job and focus on one thing keep your spf on its own keep your serums on their own keep their moisturizers on their own I mean, even your exfoliants, you will have like your, like we were talking about before, your um, your manual or your chemical exfoliant. Um, and even then, I don't mind them being together. You can get a physical exfoliant that has a little bit of glycolic in there as well. Um, and depends on the percentage of the glycolic too, but I know I've gone off topic again, <laughs> but um, now that I actually remember, this is something that I wanted to cover as well is the percentages of your AHAs. Let's wrap up with just this. So our percentage of our AHAs, you will see products that retail at, like, so for example, I, I do really like the Institute products. It's what I used before I came overseas and I, I do really like them. But they have products that retail on retail shelves for consumers to purchase. I think it's 12% uh, glycolic cleanser, 14% glycolic exfoliant or scrub. But then yet we have other brands that will have a glycolic peel that's in clinic only at only 10%. And I have a lot of confusion around this or a lot of students that will come to me and be like, hey, why can I buy a 14% glycolic scrub and use it from home and use it three times a week on my skin? Or maybe not that often. Um, I might feel a little bit of tingling, but not really anything. But then I can't buy this product that's in clinic only. You can only have them once a week. And yeah, it's only 10% glycolic. And it's a, it's, it feels a lot more abrasive or a lot. I can feel a lot more tingling happening when I have this treatment done. One of the most important things that I really want to stress to you guys is, is sometimes, yes, the percentage of an AHA does matter. But not all the time does it solely matter on that. You have to take into the consideration the pH level of all your products because that is what will actually determine how active something is within the skin. Okay, now we again, we're running out of time. So this might be for another episode as to how pH, the pH scale works and um different levels and things like that. But you generally want your products to be a little bit more on the acidic side. So you want it to be a little, usually a 3.5 and under for anything to really be doing its job within the skin. So all it means that if you see something that's retailing, that's at a high percentage of an AHA, it just means that it has a higher pH level and that it's probably not as active on the skin. Where if you're using something like a 10% glycolic peel, it's going to have a much lower pH level. Therefore, you're going to get a better result with it. It's going to be a little bit more active as well. 
So we're coming up to 40 minutes, guys. I'm going to wrap it up there. I hope you all enjoyed this um, episode. I hope I didn't rant on too much. We went over lots of different ingredients. If you have any other ingredients that you want me to go into more detail with, I can always do a post on Instagram or I can just explain things to you via DMs or messages, emails, however you would like to um, contact me. Um, my email address is the Beauty Code Podcast at gmail.com um there were a few other ingredients that i did want to go over like fruit enzymes and lanolin even like the florentine and beta glucan i mean they're just antioxidants anyway but there were a few other things that i did want to cover we've just run out of time so again might have to do a part two we'll see how we go um but if there's anything that you want me to explain or give my opinion on feel free to message me i hope you enjoyed today's episode and don't forget to subscribe don't forget to share start tagging do as much as you can for me guys on your social media as well i would love that and i will see you guys back for episode five not not too far away bye Thank you so much for joining me on the Beauty Code podcast. If you have any suggestions, topics or questions that you would like me to cover, please email me at thebeautycodepodcast at gmail.com or DM me on Instagram, which is thebeautycode.podcast. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and I look forward to sharing many more with you. Remember to hit that subscribe button to be the first to know when a new podcast is up and leave a review. Bye.